Good morning, and welcome to another episode of the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for everyone that's coming on the live thus far and hope that we're able to give you something that will inspire your souls on this morning. Um, that we've, we are back from our vacation, or our week vacation. Thanksgiving was really good to me. Hope it was good to you as well. I definitely ate a lot, and that treadmill that's sitting over there is going to be my best friend for the next three weeks. Um, but we're certainly grateful that we're able to take some time off, get some time to re re revitalize, rejuvenate, um, and just kind of refocus and recenter on the things that really matter um, in, in my life personally. And so I hope you guys were able to have a fantastic week. Um, as well, um, last weekend, Thanksgiving, hope you didn't trample over anybody trying to get to any of those goods in the stores on the, on, on last Friday. Um, but again, we're just certainly grateful, um, for this opportunity to be able to worship with you guys on this morning. I hope that we're able to say something that will edify, um, your souls on today. we got a jam-packed show for you this morning. Um, we're going to be talking about, um, we're going to be talking about Derek Chauvin and the fact that he was, um, stabbed in prison. Um, the other day, um, as you recall, D Derek Chauvin was the um, the guy who was um, found guilty for um, the slaying of um, of George Floyd um, back in 2020. Um, we're also going to be talking about the fine line between sharing the gospel and showing off in social media. Um, and going to be talking about you know how sometimes we can uh, we ought to check our heart spaces when it comes to the things that we're posting um, and make sure that our hearts are pure in that regard. Um, and then I got something praiseworthy for you guys, but it's um, but it's definitely going to be something. I'm just going um, to hold off on talking about what that is until we get there. I'm really excited about it. Might bring a tear to my eye or five. Um, but again, I'm just going to hold off. To, um, I'm telling y'all what we have um, praiseworthy to tell you guys on today, but we are going to start our conversation through the book Gods at War by Kyle Eidelman. We're going to be continuing our series and hope to finish this series off today um, as we're going to be talking about the God of family on today, the God of family. So again, thank you guys so much for joining in. Hope that you guys stick around um, for the duration of the show. We'll be on um, um, until we're until we're done and so just grateful again for this opportunity to be able to worship with you guys in spirit and truth And hope that we're able to say something that will edify and magnify your souls on today um, Feel free to drop down in that comment box at any time if you have any questions comments or concerns later on in the show If um if we have time permits we'll jump down in the comment box and answer some of your questions on today um, but again we're just again thankful for this opportunity to be able to worship with you guys and hope that we're able to say something that will again um, just you know bring some free bring some some levity and some truth um, and some comfort to your souls let's start off with prayer and then we're going to jump into our book gods at war heavenly father we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence lord god we're thankful that you've given us this opportunity through this um true gospel morning show be able to render up worship and praise to you uh, through it. We're asking God that every word that is said on today, that it be none of me and all of you. Lord God, we lift the show up to you, that it may help someone along the way to know more about you, to love you, to delight in you, um, to worship you in spirit and truth. Lord God, may we say something to those who don't have a walk with you, that they may grow to love you, to bless you, and to honor you in both duty and delight. Lord God, we're just thankful that you um, have given us this technology to be able to spread your word um, to whoever um, has an ear to hear. Um, and God, we're just asking that you help us to drop the seeds of the gospel into the hearts and minds of those who um, of those who love you and those who don't, um, that you may get all the glory, honor, and praise uh, through everything that is said on today. We love you. 
and we give your name, praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we are in chapter 12 of the book, Gods at War. Um, again, we're in the temple of love, and we're looking at the God of family on today. Um, there's a, a, a lot a lot of really good nuggets in this chapter in regards to talking about how sometimes we can put our husbands, our wives, our children, um, our, our aunts, uncles, grandparents, um, and, and the like, uh, we can put them on such a high pedestal that we end up worshiping them and sometimes not even realizing that we're doing it. And so, um, and so one of the things that I really wanted to jump in um, is this is this 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 metaphor that he that he painted for us to look to look at the nature and the character of our relationship with God, and then and then put that up against the nature and the character of the relationships that we have with people. He says, picture it this way. Your life is a bicycle wheel. Every spoke in the wheel represents different and significant relationships that make up your life. One spoke represents mom. Another spoke represents dad. One spoke represents a sibling. One spoke represents your spouse. One spoke represents a child, and on it goes. Our tendency is to make God a spoke in the wheel, but God isn't interested in being another spoke in the wheel of your life. God is to be the center hub that all the spokes come from and connect to. As T.S. Eliot put it, he is the still point of the turning world. Um, as we talked about at the very beginning of this series, um, God is not interested in being a part of our lives. He's, he, he desires to be our lives. He doesn't desire to be a, the head of the board, the board, the head of the boardroom of your life. He is the board. Like he doesn't, he doesn't want to be one of many. He chooses and desires to be the one and only, the one that we worship. As he says um, further in the in that um, that same page, according to the Ten Commandments, we are to honor our parents, but we are to worship only the Lord God. Our, our tendency is to is to put people in the position that God is supposed to be in. Our tendency is to make people is to turn people into gods. We tend to turn our husbands, our wives, our children, our our parents, our grandparents into gods in such a way to where they are then able to dictate how we live, how we move, how we operate, and sometimes can be the barometer by which we are measuring our happiness and our joy and our peace. If there's a statement that says, happy wife, happy life, um, happy spouse, happy house, sometimes we can act as if, uh, if, our, if our spouses are not happy, then my whole life, you know, is miserable because I live to serve my husband or I live to serve my wife. I put them on the pedestal and they are the, they are the, the, I worship the ground that they walk on. Again, our tendency as people is to put people in the place of God and make them more important than him. And we do this sometimes thinking that by, by making them more important than us, we are serving God, 
Um, and so there's a fine line that we're walking when it comes to being selfless in that regard. Because we are to submit one to another, and we are to honor one another. But any time that we're turning a person into the reason for our being, that if this person is not in my life, or if I'm not serving this person, or if I'm not giving to this person, or if I'm not doing for this person um, in some significant measure, then I am worthless, then we are saying to God that yes, though we know he exists and though we know that we're living for him and know that we're working for him, that he is not the true barometer by which we move. That he is not, he is not the center of our lives. Something else or someone else has taken that place. God has ordered our lives in such a way that devotion to him is the top button. Talking about buttons on a shirt. And he was saying that if you button the wrong button first, then the whole shirt is misaligned. He's saying that God has ordered our lives in such a way that devotion to him is the top button. If that relationship is in proper order, then you're going to find that every other relationship, whether family or friend, is going to fall into place in a far more satisfying way. But if you're wrong on him, you'll get everything else wrong too. This is why Lewis's allegory, the mother in the, in the, Lewis's allegory, the mother had to find her primary love for God before she could be allowed to see her son or anyone else in heaven. As things stood, she had made something beautiful, a mother's love for a child, into an ugly idol that distorted all her other relationships. Excuse me. Um, Kyle Eidemann goes on to talk about how um, Abraham was given the test of having, of, 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 his, of sacrificing his son um, on the altar. And in sacrificing his son, in, in going to sacrifice his son on the altar, God was testing to see whether or not, God, whether or not Abraham truly loved God or did he love the child more than God? Was Abraham only worshiping God so that he could get the son? Or was um, Abraham's worship to God absolute? That there's literally no other God before, before, um, before God. And again, if you think about it, biblical, in biblical history-wise, there were no Ten Commandments at this point. There was no Mount Sinai experience. There was no, you know, bringing the, um, the, the commands down from, from the mountaintop. And so this was a pure heart examination. Where does your heart truly lie? Is your heart truly centered on me? Or is your heart centered on someone or something else? And so... God has never and will never require a human sacrifice as an act of worship. But I wonder how you and I would fare. I wonder about the depth of our worship, our commitment to God. If you had to choose between the gift and the giver, who wins? If you had to choose between the gift and the giver, ask yourself, who would win that fight? Who would win that battle? Because sometimes... We say we love God, but we got to check our hearts to see, am I loving God because I love God, or am I loving God because I love his stuff? 
and I'm only worshiping him in, in conjunction to what I want from him. If he gives me what I want, I'll worship him all day. But if he doesn't give me what I want, then I, I don't want anything to do with him. Or my worship to him is only contingent upon the access that I have to this thing. And again, we have to check our heart's posture because we can say that we love God with our lips, but our heart could be so far away from God in terms of the things that we truly love, the things that we truly want, the things that we truly truly, um, truly desire, and that includes family. That includes friends. That includes spouses. That includes kids. We got to be careful that we are not putting people or things in the place of the Almighty God. Because if we do, then what we're saying to God is that even though I know you say, I know I say I love you, but there's something else that has rule and reign over my life. And as such, 2 Peter 2 and 19 says, people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. People are slaves to whatever has mastered them. Um... If the story of Abraham and Isaac is a troubling narrative, so is the statement of Jesus in Luke chapter 14, verse 26. It's another one of those passages we don't preach too often. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. This is a great example of a verse that can be taken out of context. We know from the full counsel of scripture that we are to love our families. One of the commandments explicitly tells us to honor our parents. And we know Jesus would never contradict the law of God. So we dig a little deeper here and discover that in Jewish culture, hate was used to express a lesser form of love. The New Living Translation gets the idea of this verse when it says, You must hate everyone else by comparison. So we're really not discussing any lack of love for family. We're discussing the centrality and the sheer magnitude of our love for God. This centrality is expressed as worship, and it can only be applied in one direction. God won't share the spot of centrality, the throne of your heart, with your spouse, your children, or your friends. You may not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. What happens when someone occupies the place in our heart that God should? Obviously, we hurt ourselves. My friend whose child, um, whose child, children determine her state of mind is one example. Uh, the woman in C.S. Lewis's story who could not experience heaven because of the idol of her son is another. But we also hurt people. A relationship that is disordered, that is the disordered love, and takes God's place in our lives it's ultimately destructive to that relationship. Or put in the positive, we love others best when we love God most. Allow me to describe a few of the consequences of placing another human being on the throne of your heart. And in this is kind of where we want to park today for the next, you know, good 20 or so minutes. The first issue is that when we put people in the place of God, and we make people the, the we put people on the throne of our hearts, family members, husbands, wives, children, parents, the like. The first thing is we we apply unrealistic pressure. We put unrealistic pressure on them. 
Um, have you ever considered the sheer pressure of asking someone to be God for you? The phrase, he worships the ground she walks on, is not coincidental. The husband does this when he places his wife on a pedestal. She is his whole world, and if she's in a good mood, he's in one too. As soon as she begins to feel the burden of responsibility for his happiness, soon she begins to feel the burden of responsibility for his happiness. The doting wife feels she is maximizing her marriage, being the adoring wife, but when she crosses the line from proper to disordered love and onward to idolatry, she places a terrible strain on the marriage. He can't have a bad day. He can't miss a feeling at any need she has. If he does so, then it seems to her that the marriage isn't working. Maybe she moves from idolatry to adultery. We're telling someone, I'm placing all my happiness and well-being in your hands. And no one in their right mind would welcome such an arrangement because they can't come through. The truth is that no human being can, only God. Secondly, we, put, we place unrealistic expectations on others. Children often feel the burden of living up to goals when the bar has been set out of reach. Consider the little league player whose parents built their whole lives around his athletic experiences. This is a common theme in the suburbs. Parents get caught up in the thrill of favorably comparing their children to the children of their friends, or perhaps they're living vicariously off their children's accomplishments. The child feels this. Perhaps it's a bright daughter who could possibly earn a full scholarship to an elite university. Her parents are constantly reminding her, you simply can't make good grades. You have to make the best grades. And have you joined enough organizations? They look good for college admissions. Sometimes the child thinks, it wouldn't bother me so much to make a B, but it would kill my parents. They live for my report cards. We live in the day, we live in the day of helicopter parents so-called because they hover over their children constantly. My whole life is wrapped up in my kids, they smile, assuming this is a good thing, but it may actually be detrimental to their children leading healthy, ordinary lives. Um, they can't all grow up to be president. Those of us who counsel people see many adults who grew up believing their children could never please their parents. Whatever they did, it was never enough. The third thing is that we can place an un, unreasonable, we, we deal with unreasonable disappointment. Um, let's see. Sometimes it's easy to understand that other things like money and pleasure won't satisfy the soul. But family is different. We know that God ordained it and it is the basis of society. So we tend to think we can create heaven simply by having a great family. The deepest joy can come from only one source. As wonderful as marriage and parenting are, we must know that they won't be perfect, won't satisfy the soul. When we look to those relationships to do those things for us, we will inevitably dis be disappointed when the package is undelivered. We also face undeserved criticism. Um... If I'm constantly critical of others for the emptiness I feel, if I'm always giving the ones I love a hard time for not meeting my needs and not making me happy, it's most likely because I'm asking them to do something they weren't made to do. I'm going to say that again. 
If I am constantly critical of others for the emptiness I feel, if I am always giving the loved ones I love a hard time for not meeting my needs and not making me happy, it's most likely because I'm asking them to do something they, are, they were not made to do. They can give me love and joy, but there is a deeper satisfaction and contentment that must come from God alone. Criticism often marks our families and relationships because we want someone to do for us what only God can do for us, and they are always falling short. Lastly, we do have to we do we can end up dealing with unfair comparisons. A final unintended consequence of disordered love comes from when we make unfair comparisons. I'm not happy in this marriage, someone thinks, but my friend is is happy in his. It must be my wife's fault. I must be married to the wrong person. And he begins to compare his wife to other women, always out of his frustration, always unfairly. It's unfair, of course, because he is looking to other women in social situations at their very best with the thought that maybe they can fill the emptiness. When we set our hearts on our family, we make all these mistakes, and we finally hurt our loved ones by holding them up to God standards. It's a terrible mistake that creates all kinds of resentful, bitter, and negative feelings in a spouse or a child. Think about this. What if our loved ones somehow lived up to our high hopes? What if the daughter aced math? What if the wife did all the things her husband was demanding? Would anything really be different? No, because the whole exercise began with a false, prom with a false premise. If X will only happen for me, then I will be satisfied. It's the thought that we can never quite conquer. The thought at the very heart of idolatry. If the daughter aced math, the parents would realize they still weren't satisfied. So they look until they found some other imperfection to work on or goal to accomplish. Once X happens, it is replaced by Y. So, you are asked to choose God to make him the source of our worship. But know this, he's already chosen you. And so we have to be ever so careful that we are not putting unrealistic expectations on people. In the book, Recovering Redemption by Matt Chandler, he tells us that people make terrible, crummy gods. Like, we, we make some awful gods. We're constantly changing our minds. We're constantly moving the goalposts when it comes to the things that we want and the things that we like. One day we want this, the next day we want that. You know, one day we're on cloud nine, the next that we're, you know, we're, we're all over the place in our hearts and our minds. And so we as the people of God, we have to be careful that we're not putting people in the place of God, that we're not replacing the, the, the we're not, that we're not having the throne of God usurped by people. We love our spouses. We love our children. We love our families. We love our friends. But our people were never designed 
to take God's place. They were never designed to satisfy the longings of the soul. I think again on Solomon and in all that he had, all the access, all the money, all the women, all the fame, everything he had everything he had everything he could ever ask for. Everything he could ever ask for. And in doing and in having everything that he could ever ask for, he looked up in the world and said to himself, It's all vanity. It's all vanity. I've got every woman in the world. In the, I've got every, you know, I've done everything under the sun. And it's all vanity. It's all vanity. Everything is going wrong. Everything is foul. And so we say all that to say that our tendency is to think that people are going to give us what we need. That people are going to give us what we desire that people are going to give us what we want. But at the end of the day, what God is trying to reveal to us is that the more... Oh, boy. Give me a second, y'all. It's not what I asked you to do. It's not what I was asking you to do. That the more that we try to make someone or something else our God the more that we will end up finding ourselves falling woefully short. Woefully short of what we're looking for from people. We have to be ever so mindful and ever so careful that we're not putting people in the place of God. That we are not making people our gods. That we're not making people the ones that we choose to worship. The ones that we choose to put on pedestals. Because anytime we do that, Anytime that we anytime that we make someone else our God, we make someone else more than what they were designed to be, we are we end up crushing them and crushing ourselves. We end up crushing them and crushing ourselves. So we as the people of God, we have to do a heart check. We have to do a heart check. And the heart check is as follows. What person or world Oh, I'm sorry. What person or people matter most to you in this world? This is not a question you need to discuss with others. Just between you, your, your reflections, and God. Who is it that you love so much that you lay down your life for them? Those of us who are married will usually do this for a spouse. Those of us who are parents would nearly always do this for our children, and rightly so. It's a sign of deep and selfless love. Take a moment to compare the sacrifices you are willing to make for that person with the sacrifices you have made to follow Jesus. Can you tell a story of how personally, how you personally sacrificed out of your commitment and devotion to Christ? Number two, is there a relationship in your life that seems to be the determining factor and whether or not you are happy and joyful or sad and depressed. To what extent does this person or persons determine your state of mind? To what extent have you organized your life around this relationship? It's worth comparing the emotions you experience in worship. Though worship can be a quieter and more introspective experience, 
can you say that you feel that you experience feelings that approach the depth of what you experience with your family yeah I know it's a tough question the source of our greatest and deepest emotional expression provide a strong clue to who or what controls us number three can you find signs of disordered love in your family relationships how would a deeper worship of God affect those symptoms review the effects of disordered love near the end of this chapter do you recognize these in your own family relationships imagine your life as a fully devoted worshiper of God and follower of Jesus Christ envision yourself laying your family at the altar along with every other part of you you tell God I can't do this right I worship you and you alone and I trust you to make me the parent spouse child I need to be I love these people deeply but they will no longer be the meaning of my life only you will be help me be the person I need to be so that you can bless these relationships may these beautiful gifts from you make my heart more completely yours when I when Jesus is truly my Lord I am at my best as a husband father and friend I place myself in a position to receive God's blessings in those relationships so it is my prayer and desire to love my family enough to lay it on the altar of worship before God with everything else that I have everything else that I am in other words I want to do in spirit what Abraham did physically for many of us call them spade a spade we have a legitimate fear of loving God to the fullest and in doing so our tendency is to look to something else or someone else to be the ultimate source of satisfaction for us in the age that we live in today everybody wants to talk about relationships everybody wants to talk about being fulfilled and being satisfied and finding a high-value man and finding the boss be you know to fulfill some longing in the in the soul I mean if you look at all the podcasts that are out there nowadays everybody wants to talk about relationships everybody wants to talk about sex and that's what's that's what the hottest topic you know on on all of the um, landscapes of, of podcasting and in videos and TV shows and, and, and things of the nature because everybody is looking for connection everybody longs to be connected to somebody else and they want to be deeply satisfied by another person and as a result of that a lot of us we put people on a pedestal that they were never meant to be able to stand on only God can satisfy the longings of the soul I'm not saying that we don't want that we shouldn't get in relationships I'm not saying that we shouldn't get married I'm not saying that we shouldn't have kids we should we all those things are prescribed in the Bible as healthy pursuits in our lives but we should never make the pursuit of a relationship or a person that we're in relationship with or or our children or our parents or whoever we should never make them the center of our lives 
That is a space that only God can inhabit. And it's only him who can satisfy us in that space. Satisfy us for the long haul. You can try to make your husband, try to make your wife, try to make your children the center of your universe. But you will always find yourself wanting more and more and more and your children will never be able, your husband will never be able, your wife will never be able, your parents will never be able to satisfy the longings of the soul as they are being crushed under the weight of your unrealistic expectations. Because those expectations are things that only God can satisfy in his etern in, in, in his eternality and in his infinite in his in, in his infinitiness. I don't know if that's a word. I think I just might have made something up. Um, and so again, we as the people of God, we have to do a heart check. Is there someone or something that's sitting on the throne of your heart that if God were to remove would devastate you to the point where you would feel like your life is over? Is there something or someone that sits on the throne of your heart that you feel like unless I have this or unless I have them, I will not be satisfied? I'm, again, I'm not saying that we have to, you know, live a single life. That's not what I'm saying. Actively pursue being in a relationship if you want to be in a relationship. But your pursuit of a relationship, your pursuit of children, your pursuit of, you know, that of, of people in your life should never supersede your relationship with God. Your relationship with God should always be the overarching theme of your life. You shouldn't, it, it, again, when it says that you hate mother, father, brother, sister, not saying to hate them in the, in the traditional sense. It's to say that when it comes to loving God, our love for him should be such to where if we got to choose between him and them, we're choosing him. If I got to choose between him and my job, I'm choosing him. If I'm choosing between God and my children, I'm choosing God. If I have to choose between God and my spouse, I'm choosing God. Again, it doesn't mean that I'm casting them to the side or loving them any less. But what we, but what we don't want to do is to compromise on the God that we worship and the gospel that we preach. Nor do we want to place them on the, on the throne that they were never designed to sit on. Because to sit people on the throne and say that they are the source of my joy, they are the source of my happiness, they are the source of my satisfaction, they are the source of my peace, is to place an unrealistic expectation on them when they can't deliver. Talking to a client this past weekend, and the man was saying to his wife, you know, the, the reason why I don't do things for you it's because you've said to me what you want me to do for you. And there were times where I did those things for you, and I did them because I wanted to. But when I did them, your response was, you're only doing it because I asked you to do it. You're not really doing it because you want to do it. 
And because you judged my intentions, I now second guess myself every time I go to the store and I see flowers that I want to get you. Or I see candy that I want to pick up for you. Or I see some little toy that I know you will love because it's, it's a repre it represents a TV show that you like. Like, I, I know you would love this, but because you ju you've judged my intentions so many times, I'm scared to do something for you now. And so, and so she looked at him and was like, I, you know, but I, I just, I just, it's not that I don't want you, I still want you to do the things. It's just, I don't know if you're really doing them because you love me or not. I don't, I really don't know if, if you're just doing it because you want to shut me up or whatever. And I told both of them, you guys have placed so many unrealistic expectations on being each other's source of joy, peace, and hope that now you don't know how to do the acts because you're so afraid of making the other person upset or receiving criticism that now you can't even operate. You're stuck. Scared that if I say what I really want, then, you know, is he, he, he might do it, but he's only doing, he's going to do it out of frustration and not out of joy. And now if I do do it for her, then I'm only, then she's only going to feel like, you know, I'm doing it because she ordered me to and not because I wanted to. And so for her, for both of them, they're stuck in this place where they've placed both of them on the, on the throne of God. And now are saying my happiness, my contentment, my peace, my joy, and my satisfaction is contingent upon whether or not this person is happy with me. And if they're not happy with me, that means I'm a terrible person. Anytime we place people on the throne, we are subjecting ourselves to whatever we think they need in order to be happy. And their happiness then becomes our happiness. And so again, we as the people of God got to do a heart check. Are we truly living for God at the uppermost where if they do something for a person and they receive it, great. If they don't, I know my intention and I know my heart and I know my heart came from a good place. And even though it hurts to hear you say the things that you may have said as a result of me doing what I did, at the end of the day, I know my heart and I know where I stand with God. And so I'm not going to let your disappointment or um, the fact that you didn't receive it the way that I hoped you would dictate how I act. As a result of you not receiving what I get, what I'm get, what I just gave. I can remember instances where you know I would do something for Nicole, and I had an expectation of how she was going to react and respond to what I did, but it, but it, she didn't respond or react, you know, as oh my gosh, as I had hoped that she did, as I hoped that she would, and as a result, my heart was crushed just a little bit because it didn't hit the way that I thought it would. But I had to remind myself, that's not an indication of her love for me. Her love is, is absolute. Love you, baby. Mwah. But in that moment, there was a little bit of disappointment because I didn't get the reaction that I wanted. Put an unrealistic expectation on another to react in a way that I wanted her to react. Rather than accepting her reaction for what it is as an expression of her gratitude for what I did. So again, we got to be careful. Just doing a heart check. Again, what we're talking about today, not an indication of whether you're in the kingdom or not. 
if you are a believer in Jesus, you're a believer in Jesus. If you, again, if you if you have repented and believed, you repent for your sins, you turn turn your face toward Jesus and believe in everything that he is and everything that he ain't, confess with your mouth, believe with your heart that he is the son of God and that he died for your sins and God rose Jesus from the dead, you are saved. So again, this is just a heart check. What are we, because what are we constantly saying? We want to be careful that we're not allowing the gods of this world to supplant the throne of God, to usurp the throne. And so just do a heart check. Are the, is there someone or is there something that's in this world that has the potential to take God's place? Sometimes what, what, what can do that is our family, our husbands, our wives, our children, our, our best friends, our family members, our, um, you know, sometimes our, our co-workers, our bosses, like, people have the potential to supplant the throne of God. And so, again, we just got to do a heart check. Who are the most important people in your life? Do they have the potential to change your, po your heart's posture? That they're, if they're happy, you're happy. If they're sad, you're sad to the point where... You know, God can't get in that space and uplift you. You know, God can't humble you. Again, it's not to say, because again, we, we mourn with those who mourn. We rejoice with those who rejoice. And so it's not to say that you're not going to feel some type of way, but can God enter that space and the peace that you have eternally with him can rejuvenate and revitalize even in moments of disappointment. For again, at the end of the day, we have to be ever so mindful that we could gain this whole world and still lose our souls at the end of the day. So again, just do a heart check, believer. Just do a heart check. Is your relationship with God solely about God or is it about something or someone else? Because at the end of the day, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves putting, putting, um, putting, um, uh, supplanting the throne of God and saying to God you know I love you but there's something else that I love a whole lot more and so we again just want to be careful do a heart check who really has our heart you're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live we're with you Monday through Friday 6am to 8am Eastern Standard Time Certainly grateful for the thousand likes that we've gotten thus far. Thank y'all so, so much for that. I really do appreciate it. Every like, every comment, every follow, every share. If you missed any part of this message or like to hear past episodes, you can go right now to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and download the True Gospel Morning. Oh, not download, but well, you can download, um, but subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show. Listen to every episode from our inception. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Derek Chauvin and the fact that he was stabbed in prison um, and the implications that, 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 that we have as a result of that incident taking place. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show. We'll be right back in just a moment.
True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, certainly thankful for you for the um, thousand likes that we've received thus far. And I do apologize for all the technical difficulties that we're experiencing this morning. Per usual, this doggone internet of mine is a, is a straight badonkus. But there is hope on the horizon, people. There's hope on the horizon. Of the, the internet folk, the fiber people are in the, in the area, and so hopefully by, I don't know, some point in the next three to six months, I guess, we're going to get some real internet here, so we ain't got to worry about these problems no more. But until then, thank y'all for be, for your patience and just sticking with us um, here on the show. Hopefully we can get that resolved um, within the next um, uh, you know couple of months or whatever, but uh, we're just going to keep it rolling and keep it moving until we get some type of um, different type of access to internets here um, where I stay. Um, so in the news this weekend, um, uh, Derek Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer convicted of George Floyd's murder, um, was stabbed in prison. He is expected to survive. He was hospitalized Friday following an assault at the medium security, um, federal correctional institution in Tucson, Arizona. A law enforcement source with, uh, with knowledge on the incident said Chauvin was seriously injured in the assault. Um, the press secretary for the Office of Minnesota Attorney General said Saturday, I can confirm that as of last night, Chauvin was expected to survive. Uh, the Minnesota um, Attorney General said he was saddened by the incident. Sad to hear that Derek Chauvin was a target of violence. He was duly convicted of his crimes, and like any incarcerated individual, he should be able to serve his sentence without fear of retaliation or violence. Um... Um, yep, 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 yep. Cool. And that's, that's pretty much the, the, the gist of the story there. Um, now I can already, you know, feel like, you know, um, you know, people have a tendency to feel as though, um, but people have a tendency to feel as though, okay, memory, if you stay on. I'll, 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 um, I'll answer that question toward the end of the show if you, if you stay on long enough for me to get to it. Um, but um, with the, with in, in case of the, the Derek Chauvin situation, um, I know most of us will feel as though justice is being served. You know, yeah, that's what you get, <laughs> kind of attitude. Um, and I can, I can admit, you know, I probably got to eat some crow on that. Uh, cause that was exactly what my first thought was, you know, I felt like at some point this was going to be, you know, an inevitability, you know, that somebody was going to go after that man, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's gang related. I don't know if it's, you know, somebody was retaliating because they're just mad at him or what? I don't, I don't know. I ain't got a, I don't, I don't have a magic eight ball to be able to tell the difference, but, um, you know, people have a tendency, you know, to, to feel that way, to think that way. And um, and we as the believers in God, we have to be ever so careful, and we got to repent for that, um, to not think that way. Um, somebody, People often ask this question here on the show. If God is so good, then why? And so, you know, you, you fill in the blank. If God is so good, why would he do this? If God is so good, why would he do that? If God is so great, why would he allow this? God is so great, why would he allow that? Um, and 
I was watching a video this morning right before the show, and Vody Bachman was saying that, as, as I've said as well, you're asking the wrong question. Um, because the, the question is pointed in the wrong direction. The question should be more why, if God is so good, then why didn't he kill me in my sleep last night? Because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? We all want mercy and grace for ourselves. But for others, we want vengeance and justice, wrath. We want the, the thunderbolts and the lightning strikes to come down and destroy anything that we deem to be not... Um, Worthy of life. There are some monsters in this world. Straight up. There are some monsters in this world. And it's a consequence of the fall. But they are monstrous nonetheless. But we as the people of God. Again, I'm talking to the believers. Unbelievers. I, I, you know, I, I want to talk to you. But, you know. You, talking to the believers. We have to be. We have to ask God to give us a heart's posture. To where. Even the most heinous of crimes, we can allow God in that space to do his work. God can save killers. God can save, you know, some very, very bad people. I don't want to use the words on the show because I'm scared they might ban me if I say it. But God can save anybody. And God can forgive anybody. See, a lot of us, we, we want forgiveness for ourselves. We want mercy for ourselves, but we don't want to give it to people who need it. We want to decide who gets in and who gets out. We want to decide who gets forgiven and who doesn't. We, we, we want to play judge, jury, and executioner when it comes to certain people. But we want God to be merciful to us. It's like the, the, the unforgiving servant. This man owed millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to this person. Couldn't pay that debt back. Said to the person, please have mercy on me. This man said, okay, debt wiped clean. Walks out, sees dude owes him a, hundred, uh, a good 90 days worth of, of pay. And he's like, paying my money now. And he's like, man, I ain't got it. Be patient. I'll pay it. He's like, nah. Throws him straight into prison in that moment. Like, we want forgiveness for our stuff, but we don't want to forgive anybody else for their stuff. Forgiveness is, the, is not the same as reconciliation. Let's be clear. Forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. You can forgive somebody and never restore the relationship. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You can forgive a person. You don't have to reconcile with them right away. You can forgive them for what they did, though. So, and, but again, I'm saying all that to say, we want we. Some of us have the mindset of Derek Chauvin deserved what he got. It's called spade a spade. Call spade a spade. Some of us feel that way. Some of us feel like Derek Chauvin got exactly what he deserved in prison. Got exactly what he deserved. 
And so we, as believers, it should not be so. As much as what he did, him and his friends, him and his, you know, uh, his, his co-workers, his, his, his partners, as heinous as that was, that man needs Jesus too. He needs Jesus too. What he did to um, George Floyd that day, that was messed up. 100%. Wrong. He was dead wrong for that. And he should not have done that. Couldn't have done that man like that. No person, you know, who's not, especially because he ain't doing nothing worthy of being subdued in that way, deserves that. Period. Black, white, purple, pink. Nobody deserves that. And so, no, I, this isn't a, this isn't an excusing of what he did. He was wrong and filed for that. And he needs Jesus. He needs Jesus because. If we can't if we can't extend grace to him for what he did wrong, then why should we expect God to extend grace to us? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all messed up. We've all made a mistake. We've all found ourselves in position where we were aligned against God. We've all committed acts that were aligned against God. We were not godly in what we did. Intentions could have been good, but our actions were effed up. Bad. And we all deserve hell for that. We all deserve the penalty of sin for that. We all deserve an eternal death and damnation for that. And yet, God, in his infinite wisdom, love, and mercy, paved the way for us and was patient with us long enough to say yes to him. Say, yes, I yield. Yes, I want to be a part of the kingdom. Yes, I love you. Yes, you know, please forgive me of my sins. Please pardon me of my sins and, and, and allow me access to the kingdom. And God says, confess with your heart, confess with your mouth, believe with your heart, repent and believe, and you're in. That lavish mercy that he poured upon us, that lavish grace he poured upon us is the same grace and the same mercy that Derek Chauvin needs. And if he repents and believes in Jesus, Regardless of how we feel about what he did in 2020, the man is being given access to the kingdom by Jesus himself. When the scripture tells us to love your enemies, he meant that thing. Because more often than not, it is the extension of grace and mercy to our enemies. That, that shows and demonstrates the love and transformation 
that God has done for us. Loving your friends is easy. He says, you know, for who, who would die for a righteous person? Even for a good person, one may even dare to die. But while we were enemies, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. So, if God's willing to do that for us, how much more should we at the very least extend mercy? Extend grace? Yeah, what, what, what he did was heinous. What he did was foul. What he did was effed up. Royally. And yet, the same mercy, same grace, same kindness, same forgiveness, same love that God has extended to us is the same thing that he's extending to him. So we, as the believers in God, should not rejoice. We should not rejoice when we see these things happen. I hope I can find it. Second, I'm gonna find it real quick because I want to. I want to hear it straight from Jesus' mouth. I don't want to paraphrase this. verse 21 of Luke chapter 10. No, I'm sorry. Um, Luke, uh, verse 17. Verse 17. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What is he saying? We should not rejoice when we see justice the way that we want it, vengeance, the way that we want it. Rather, we should be humbled that God didn't do something similar to us. Instead, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We have to be so careful that our heart's posture is not one of vengeance. When it comes to the people who have done us wrong 
or the people who have done wrong getting the comeback. That should not be our position. Because that same comeback that other people get is the same kind of comeback that we ought to get. Rather, we should be thankful of that God extended grace and mercy to us. That we got that we that 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 God had enough patience with us that at the right time, the right situation, we said yes to him. We're, we're not to rejoice that Satan fell from heaven. That's not, a, that's not something to be happy about. That's not something to be happy about. We should, we, should, we should mourn and then realize the plight of Satan is the same fate that we should have for our act of rebellion against God. So the fact that we are in the kingdom is a blessing it is a miracle. It is a gift. And we should be thankful for that. And in that space, recognizing our utter depravity, it should cause us to pray for people like Derek Chauvin. That despite the fact that he's getting what he deserves in terms of his justice, the, ju the judgment that's been cast upon him, that even in prison he can still be free in his soul. So we're praying to God every single day we're praying that God will give him and extend to him the same mercy, the same grace and the same favor that he's extended to us that he will give to him the same mercy, the same kindness and the same grace that we asked for however long ago when we, when we said yes to him we pray that he repents of his sins we pray that he seeks forgiveness and seeks the kindness and the favor of God and that even in prison, that God will, you know, protect the soul. For, you know, prison is prison. Then people going to do what they do. But it doesn't have to do anything to his soul. To his soul. It's all about the soul. And so we ask and pray for anyone that's incarcerated. You know, serve your time. Do what you got to do. You know. And in hopes that that will give you an opportunity to, to seek God's face. And turn toward him. And in turning toward him, putting ourselves in a position where we're able to extend the same grace, the same kindness, and the same mercy to others. The same grace, the same kindness, and the same mercy that God has extended to us. When Christ died on that cross, he did so so that the world could be saved. So now it is incumbent upon us to be the hands and feet of Jesus that are extending the message of Jesus Christ to as many people as will listen, to as many people as will believe, in hopes that they too will receive that same kindness and same mercy that God extended to us. And so again, as we think about Derek Chauvin and the situation that happened in the prison, I'm not excusing his need to be in prison. The man was wrong for what he did, straight up, and glad, I'm glad to see that justice was served. But my prayer for him is my prayer for everybody else. Has he repented of his sins? Repented of the sin that caused the sin? Because whatever was going on that day between him and George Floyd was, was a deeper issue going on inside his heart. And it just played itself out. In that, in that space, 
played itself out in that moment. So has he gone to God and dealt with the roots? As our prayer and our hope for him and our hope and expectation for anyone who has gone through gone through situations, gone through circumstances that they are seeking God's face. And our prayer should not our prayer should not be, ah, that's what he get. No, that's not that's not the posture of the believer. The posture of the believer is I pray that he is okay, and I pray that he is that he is giving that he is giving his life to God, and you know that he it can, that he can be free in his soul. Serve your time, serve all your time, serve it. But in the midst of that prison, you can still be free. Once again, it is better to be free in your soul while incarcerated than to be free in the world and your soul be jacked up. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live with your Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So thank you for the 1,100 likes that we have received thus far. Every like, every comment, every follow, and every share. If you missed any part of this message or would like to listen to um, any past episodes, Go over to Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and um, subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast. Every episode from inception to now um, is on that um, pod, is on that um, on Spotify and Apple. Um, but when we get back, we're going to be talking about um, the fine line between sharing the gospel and showing off on social media. Thank you for watching the True Gospel Morning Show. We'll be right back in just a moment.
watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, I was watching, um, I was looking at, um, and I wish I could get to it on my phone, but I can't um, because my phone's being used right now. Um, if you've uh, been, I've, I've started getting, I've been on this app for the past few weeks now called Threads. It is um, Facebook and Meta's answer to Twitter. Um, and it's been popping off really good. I really enjoy the app. Um, I think it, because in its inception, you know, people are making it a positive space for now. You know, every good thing will eventually devolve and turn into something very caustic and destructive. And then we're going to find the next thing to go try to build up and be a positive space for us. But anyway, this person was saying um, that we have to be careful that we are not sharing things with people that God has told us is strictly between me and and him. Let me say it again. So we have to be careful that we are not sharing with everybody what God meant just between me and him. What I've noticed in the landscape of social media, and I'm guilty of it too, is that our tendency is to turn everything, and I'm talking straight, so I'm talking strictly to believers. Who are content creators strictly to believers who are content creators our tendency is to make a highlight reel out of everything that God does in our lives everything that God shares with us everything that God is doing with us we want to turn it into a highlight reel and so when we're doing our morning devotionals before we do our morning devotional, during our morning devotional, or after our morning devotional, we make sure to take a selfie of it, so that way we can post it on the on the um on our um on our feeds and say devotion time with God, LOL. As soon as God gives us some type of nugget of truth, the, it, rather than sitting down and meditating on it for ourselves, we're 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 fast finger punching it into our um into our our our, our, com our computer keyboard. Our keyboards and posting it on social media somewhere. I can't believe. Oh, you won't believe the nugget that God just gave me. Da, 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 da. You know, our prayer time is now relegated to us going live and praying with everybody else at the same time. So it's like, excuse me. Um, in everything that we tend, a lot of what we tend to do nowadays is we are posting every single instance that we have with God for the masses to see. Now, I'm not saying that posting is bad because because even Paul himself said it in the word and I, wish, and I wish I could find it real quick. He said, I wish there were a way for me to be able to talk to all of y'all at the same time. He was talking to like a whole bunch of different churches. I wish there was a way for me to be able to talk to everybody all at once. I got to go from this place to this place. I got to write 9,000 letters. I wish there was a way for me to be able to talk to everybody all at once. God has given us the vision that Paul had way back when. So thanks be to God for Paul for praying the prayer. Because now we can do this, right? 
And yet, we've turned our worship to God into an event to be televised and broadcast every single time we do it. And so, we as the people of God, we have, we got to we have to do a we have to make sure that we're doing a good job of balancing talking to people and sharing our uh, sharing our quiet time with sh sharing our devotion to God with being devoted to God because for a lot of us we've turned our personal time with God into a show and Jesus himself said we have to be wary of people who turn their relationship with God into an act he says in Matthew chapter 6 be, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven that's Matthew 6 verse 1 beware of practicing your righteousness before others in order to be seen by them for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven again this is something I that I had to realize I was doing too you know in doing this show Monday through Friday 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on TikTok Live I realized right away that I was getting I was slinking back into a um a pattern of mine where my relationship with God was tethered to me doing things for other people in the name of God. I used to do it when I was singing in the choir. I used to do it when I was an usher. I used to do it when I was teaching Bible study. I did it when I was um, leading um, you know, dance ministries at one point. I did it when I was leading youth ministry. Did it when I was you know, uh, doing praise team. Did it when I was you know, teaching Sunday school, did it when I was pastoring. A lot of my devotion to God was tethered and connected and attached to my devotion and attention to what I'm doing for people. So when God put me in the cave for two years, he really challenged me. Now that you don't have a church, now that you don't have a ministry, now that you don't have people that you're preaching to or teaching to on a regular basis, where is your heart? Is your heart really with me? Or is your heart, was your heart always about the people? And I had to do a heart check. Because a lot of what I did was because it was attached to being on the stage. Now I did everything, as far as I know, you know, in you know, in service to the Lord, but my service to the Lord, my devotion to the Lord was attached to my service. There was no devotion apart from service. And so I had to learn how to devote myself to the Lord for the sole purpose of devoting myself to the Lord. And so when the show, so now the show, you know, been doing the show for about, what, two months now, and I realized I was slinking back into that same pattern, only studying the Bible so I could have something to say. Only doing things for the for you know for the sake of the show, and God had to have, I had to take a step back. Part of what I did last week was taking that step back and saying, 
you know, am I doing this show for God, for the people, or am I doing this show so I can be seen by the people? And in doing so, simple heart check, what am I doing this for, right? And so again, the scriptures tell us, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of people who are on these um, platforms who, and they're, they're wanting, let me, let me, let me, I'm back all the way up. There are wonderful people in this world. There are wonderful people in this world who are doing a great service for the kingdom. You got so there are a lot of people who are on these platforms who have thousands of followers, and you know they got a lot of people that are that are listening to them, and a lot of people that are sharing their stuff and all that kind of stuff. And I, I hope to be one of them one day. You know, I'm a little I'm a little fish in a big pond, um, but then they're doing a great work for the Lord. They're doing a great work for the Lord. The Lord said it himself. My word will not go out and come back to me void. It will fulfill everything it's meant to. It's going to it's gonna do what it's set out to do. And so even a donkey can get a word, can get, can get a word through. If he can use a donkey to get a word through, he can use any of us to get a word through. But just because he's using us to get a word through does not mean that we have a relationship with him. Again, be clear. You can have a whole bunch of knowledge about Jesus. Sermons are easy to copy and paste. My granddad, God bless his soul, every last one of his sermons came out of a book, and he just read from the book he, he did his sermons in, period. He wasn't going around writing his own sermons out. He was reading from a book. God bless him. It don't, it, 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 you don't, it, it, preaching in, 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 in the mechanics of it does not take rocket science. That's why it really takes a spirit, a spirit-filled believer to be able to discern whether or not the word is true or not. Because anybody can get a word to anybody. God can use anybody. You know, gifts come without repentance. And so I'm saying that I to say there's some wonderful people who are doing some great things in, 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 in this in this universe. And yet, for many of them, they are playing a numbers game. And they realize that if I do these certain things, it'll get me the likes, it'll get me the follows, it'll get me the shares, it'll get me the comments, and it'll get me the money. And as a result, you have some people, again, this ain't all of them, matter of fact, I, it may not be most of them, but you got some of them who are playing the game very very well to the point where you know where we got again where we got to be careful heart check heart posture what are you doing this for what are you, what have you built your platform on what are you trying to accomplish are you truly trying to do the will of the lord or are you simply doing this because it gets you the attention that you seek There are going to be there are going to be times and situations where God is giving you things that are not meant for everybody to know. That thing that He showed you last week is between you and Him. But your fingers are so fast and so quick to want to get it on, get it on because oh God gave me a nugget today. 
God gave me a gym today. Can't wait to shit. We got to be careful. And it's again, it's a heart check between you and God. Is this really what he wants you to say to his people? Or are you just so quick to try to get the next, the next, you know, great word out there? Because God blew my mind. Again, I'm not saying not to post. I'm not saying not to create. I'm not saying not to share. But you and God have to have such a relationship with each other that you're balancing your devotion to him with your service to him. What are you posting for? What are you sharing this for? If God is saying to you something that's just meant for you, don't disobey God just so you could get the next great gem out there. That gem wasn't meant for everybody. It was meant for you. You don't have to post every single instance you open your Bible up so that people can know that you're reading your Bible. Don't nobody need to know that. That's between you and God. Sitting with your coffee, sipping on Jesus. For what? What are you doing this for? Again, I have to check my own heart. So y'all, y'all are not alone in this, because every so often we'll get so caught up in trying to, you know, maneuver our way through this relationship with God. And we're just so excited to share everything that God is sharing with us because we just want to share it with somebody. But we got to check. Is this, is are you sharing it with people because you want to get the word out or are you sharing it with people because you want the attention that sharing it will bring? Because there is a difference. And only you can know that. Because whatever God gives you, especially if it's sound, oh, it's going it's gonna, it's gonna to do what it's meant to do. Trust and believe. But how is your soul going to be if God didn't tell you to post that? If God didn't tell you, hit send. If God didn't tell you, hit, you know, hit share. If God told you the exact opposite. Don't share that. That's not meant for them. That's meant for you. Don't do that. It's not meant for them. That's meant for you. Again, it's just a heart check, saints. If you are creating content for people and you're creating content for the glory of God, create your content. But just be sure you're checking your heart to make sure that you're not playing in the numbers game Worried about whether people are looking at your stuff or checking out your stuff or anything like that. And instead, be sure that you're doing it for the glory of God, regardless of how many people look, regardless of how many people post, regardless of how many gifts you get, regardless of how many likes you get, regardless of how many comments you get. People ask, people have often asked me all the time, you know, um, you know, what I'm, what I'm planning to do with the platform and things like I'm just here. 
I'm just here. I have lofty ambitions, sure, but at the end of the day, I'm just here. I'm here until God says not to be here no more. I'm doing until God tells me not to do it no more. Because, you know, like I tell people all the time, when you're playing in the TikTok universe and you're playing in the social media universe, if you're a person like me who's just going to talk for two hours, you're not going to get a whole lot of attention. Especially because I'm a dude, you know. I'm not, I'm not cute. I'm not, <laughs> you know, I ain't got, you know, lavish hairstyles or, you know, you know, great things and all that type of stuff. Like, I'm not that dude. So if I'm in it for the gifts, if I'm in it for the likes, if I'm in it for the follows, and I'm in it for the shares, I'm in a world of hurt. Because I got, I'm not, I got nothing <laughs> to get people's attention with. It's just, it's just me and this word. That's it. And so maybe some wittiness. I don't know. And so again, we got to be mindful. What are we doing this for? Are we truly doing this for the glory of God or are we doing it for the glory of self? Because if we're doing it for the glory of self, and with this I'm a hush, if we're doing it for the glory of self, then I promise you, Jesus himself said, you've already received your reward in the likes, the follows, the comments, the shares, the gifts, and the monetization. And what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Share your content. Do what you do. Do what you do. But at the end of the day, make sure you're doing it with the right intention. Make sure you're doing it under the, under the operation of the Holy Spirit. And make sure that no matter what you do, your soul is anchored in Jesus and not in the likes. Because if your soul is anchored in the likes, on that off day where ain't nobody liking your stuff and only five people are showing up, you, you're liable to compromise on the gospel for the sake of getting your likes up and getting your follows up and getting your shares up. And at the end of the day, the gospel, I promise you, it's enough. My wife says this to me all the time. And baby, I, I see that you're still on and listening, so I'm glad that it's still working. My wife says this all the time. You don't know who's listening to you. You don't know who's watching you. You don't know who's paying attention to you. They may never give you a like, may never give you a follow, may never give you a share, may never give you a comment, but I promise you they're listening. I promise you they're paying attention. I've had people that'll tell me randomly all the time, oh yeah, I saw your TikTok the other day. I didn't even know you were paying attention to me. What you mean you saw my TikTok the other day? And somebody tell me yesterday, yeah, I told this, um, it's one of my friends, you know, um, that, you know, the show, I told about your show. You did? I didn't even know you were listening. I, seriously? I, I didn't know you were paying attention. So, again, we don't do this for likes. We don't do this for follows. We don't do this for shares. We don't do this for comments. We do this because Jesus has given us a word, and he's given us a platform, and we maximize the platform that he gives us to do what he commands which is to share the gospel to as many people that will listen, whether they believe or not. It's like we got Craig, you know, who, you know, don't know why, why we listening to Jesus. We're going to give this word anyway, because at the end of the day, 
our heart's posture is to do what God has commanded us to do. And so we're grateful for the platform that he gives us to do what he gives us to do. And unless and until, you know, internet fails or TikTok shuts us down, I don't know. We're going to keep pushing this thing. But we're doing it for the glory of God and not the glory of self. So again, I say all that to say, be careful. Be careful that you, as a believer, if you're creating content, are not creating content to get your likes up. Do it for the glory of God. Because only what will last will last. And people are fickle. Love you today, hate you tomorrow. What is it profit a man to gain the whole world and all the attention that comes with that and to lose a soul? You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show. It's your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly thank you for the 1,400 likes that we received today. How ironic, right? Um, every comment, every follow, every like, every share. Thank you so, so much for that. If you've missed any part of this message or would like to hear past episodes, feel free to stop by Spotify and Apple Podcasts right now and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen to every episode from inception to now. When we come back, i got a lovely story to tell you guys about my daughters. Certainly excited about it. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show. We'll be right back in just a moment.
True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Again, certainly apologize for the technical difficulties that we've been experiencing all day. Um, Internet's just been acting like a badonkis like it always does here at the house. And so, again, I apologize um, for any, you know, and issues that you guys are experiencing as a result of that. Um, but thank you nonetheless for your patience and staying on the show with us this whole time if you've been on with us um, since the beginning. Um, um, not something praiseworthy today. Um, if you notice, I'm shuffling things around on the show, if you've noticed. And so today I'm trying a little experimentation with something praiseworthy. Um, so like I am just flipping over the moon. Um, my daughters both, um, declared ver they made their verbal declarations of salvation, um, over the past week. Um, last week, my oldest daughter, we were all watching, um, New Amsterdam, which is our binge worthy show, um, that we're all binging together right now. Um, and I can't remember what happened on that show that prompted my daughter um, to say um, what she said um, about about salvation. I, I don't I don't remember what she said, but I remember asking her the question. You know, you know, is she afraid that you know she's not a does she think that does she think that she's a Christian? Does she think she's saved? And she was like, I think so. And so I asked her the, the, the basic questions, you know, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? You know, and she said, yes. And then she, I said, do you believe that God raised him from the dead for our sins? And she said, yes. And I said, well, listen, upon confession of your faith, you know, but confessing with your mouth and believing with your heart, you are saved. And the look of joy that was on her face, she was, she was just like, Like, to see her make that face, like, lit me up like firecracker. Like, I'm just like, oh, the heart's melted. It's over with. It's done. It's over with. And, 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 and that, and that was it. I mean, that's it. That's how it works, y'all. That's really how it works. It ain't, it ain't rocket science, man. It really isn't. Like, upon confession of your mouth, believing in your heart, who Jesus is, repenting for sins, it's really that simple. It's not that complicated. It really ain't. People make it out to make make it make out to be more complicated than it is. But that's it. She's in the kingdom. She's in the kingdom at 13 years old. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And so, um, and so we rejoiced. Um, wife was a little concerned, you know, about about our younger daughter, but you know, something something in me, and I, I think I and I told her this a little bit, I said something. I didn't feel like it was the right moment to ask her because it wasn't a moment that we were just having that something prompted Marie's heart to go there. And so there was a response to Marie's Marie's heart wanting to confess Jesus. I ain't got that. That was all God's doing. God is the one who draws. And so I don't know what she saw that made her question that brought that prompted it. Um, but at any rate, we were good. Cool. Sunday, um, we get to the um, we get to church, and you know my dad preached a dynamite sermon, had me just in tears, um, profusely in tears. Um, but that's not the point. Um, he, you know, I told the family, you know, we were all rejoicing, heaven got another one, you know, and so told the whole family. And um, Sunday, my dad walked over to her um, toward the end of service and was like, you know, just want to let everybody know, you know, my uh, my granddaughter Marie. 
gave a life to Christ on um on last week. Woo! You know, every, everything's awesome. And my younger daughter noticed it. And she didn't really say anything. But now hindsight being 2020, that thing was bothering her. It was it, she was not it was gnawing at her for a little bit. Um, because she didn't understand what had happened. And mind you, she was in the room with us, but because she got doggone headphone in her ear, you know, she don't ever be listening to what's going on in the room. Um, let me try to tell her, take that headphone out your, out your ear. Um, but anyway, so, um, I asked them yesterday, I asked everybody yesterday in preparation for the show today, what, is there anything in particular that y'all want to talk about? And, um, and so... I asked wife, she said no. I asked Marie, she said no. I asked Allison, and she was like, you can talk about what happened with Marie um, yesterday. And I said, I mean, well, what happened with Marie today at church? And I was like, oh, um, why do you want to talk about, why do you want me to talk about that? And she said, because it's something good to talk about. I was like, okay, but why do you want to talk about that? I knew why she wanted to talk about it, but I didn't know if she wanted to talk about it. Um, we want to check her heart. I felt like there was a hint of like, well, you know, how come they talked to her but didn't talk to me? You know, but, but and so it again prompting the question, right? And so we said, so you know, do you want to know what that was about? Yes. Okay. So Marie declared that she, you know, was saved. And so that's, and I told everybody, and that's why, you know, what happened on, I didn't tell him to do that. He did that of his own. You know, my dad did that of his own prompting. Um, and so do you want to know what the questions were that I asked her? Yes. Okay. Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Yes. And do you believe that that God raised him from the dead for the for the remission of sins? Yes. Well, then by confession of your um confession of your um of your faith, you know, confession with your mouth, belief in your heart, you are saved. And she gave us a smile, and tears started falling from my eyes. I'm like, Lord Jesus, I cried all day today. God, no. Oh, but let the, let the tears fall because she made her verbal declaration. And again, it's that simple. At 11 years old, my daughter is now in the kingdom of heaven. And so I can be happy and say beyond a shadow of a doubt that, you know, I don't know how heaven going to work. But I, in terms of how, you know, families and all that, I don't know if we're going to keep the same families or what. But I tell you this much. My foe, me and my me and my crew, we are in. And I'm as happy as a daggum kid at Christmas. Because, you know, in the world we live in today with all these other gods and all these other forces out here and all these other ways of being and things, I've been super nervous for my children. Wondering, you know, are they going to believe in Jesus or are they going to follow some other god that's out there that's more appealing and more to the flesh and all this other type of stuff. And so for both of them to make verbal declarations, you know, stirs my heart up. Now, I'm not, I'm, I don't know, the trials and tribulations going to come and everything's going to test what they believe and their heart's posture and all that type of stuff. So, you know, I know the trials are going to come and all that kind of, all, and all those things. Um, and, and, and 
they are in the kingdom. And so I'm so grateful. You know, as, as, a, as, a, as a dad, I'm so grateful that God has allowed me to live long enough to see this day. Because, again, you know, I the, the thing that I love about their verbal declarations is that they were unprompted. Like, I didn't go up to them and be like, do you believe in Jesus? Like, no. And, and, and quite frankly, nobody ever did that to me. Thank God. But, you know, I was, you know, raised in church in such a way to where it was almost expected of me to be a believer in Jesus. I mean, granddad's a pastor, grandma's a pastor, dad's a pastor, like everybody, all these preachers and deacons in my family, it was almost a rite of passage to become a believer in Jesus. And so with my children, Nicole and I both wanted something different for them to make up their own minds. You decide if you're a believer or not. Not because we're pushing you in ministry and pushing you to do this and pushing you to be that or because you're the pastor's son or any of that type of pastor's daughter or any type of stuff like that. Instead, you make up your own mind. Is this what you want? Are we going to believe in Jesus and you're going to see us living out Jesus and talking about Jesus all day? But at the end of the day, your heart may, be, may grow hard against this gospel. Because again, the same gospel that melts the ice hardens the clay. Same, the same gospel that makes a believer can, can, can harden an unbeliever. Y'all see it up and down the comment section. Why are you believing in Jesus? Why are you believing in Jesus? Oh my God, I can't believe you a black man believing in Jesus. Oh my God, I can't believe you believing in Jesus. Same gospel that turns believers into believers, the same gospel is going to harden people away from them. So for my children, make up your own mind. Don't believe just because I believe. Believe because it's what you believe. We're going to give you truth and let you get in, in how you choose to take that truth is on you. So for both of them to say, I believe in Jesus and to say that I, and I, and I, and I repent of my sins and follow him, dude, thank you, God, for allowing me to see this day. Thank you, God, for allowing me to see that, you know, trials and tribulations come what may. In the life to come, my family will be there. Hallelujah. I am so freaking overjoyed. Like, it just brings my heart so much flipping joy. And I want to share that with y'all and, and and let y'all know, you know, this gospel works, man. <laughs> it works. It works. Prayer works. Speaking the truth works. You know, you, you don't have, it, it don't take rocket science. It really doesn't. It's it's not about a list of do's and don'ts. It's about repentance and belief, man. And, you know, over the course of time, continue to talk to them and show them truth. And maybe they'll crack open one of these books that's on my bookshelf or something and really start to dig in a little bit deeper and things. Um, but again, Jesus saves is enough. Jesus saves is enough to begin a relationship with him. And so now that those seeds have been planted and they've birthed, it's time to start cultivating. And so, again, saying all that to say, my heart's just over the moon. My daughters are in the kingdom, y'all. My daughters, my daughters are in the kingdom. I could not be happier. My daughters are in the flipping kingdom. And it makes my heart, it makes my heart glad. It makes, I know it makes um, Nicole's heart glad. And, you know, and we're just grateful that God get, has given us this opportunity to be able to see this happen. Um, because again, you know, you have, you, I mean, I'm, again, I'm, I'm just humbled. I'm just flipping humbled. 
I know how many parents, you know, are fearful that their children are not going to be entering into the kingdom of heaven with all this stuff that's out there, all the access that they have to all this information and stuff. And and so it always it's always a fear that, you know, that they're not going to enter the kingdom. And yet God has saw fit, at least for me and my house, you know, to 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 be in. And so I say all that to say, you know. To any parent who, you know, is wondering, you know, if their kid's going to make it into the kingdom, don't be afraid to talk to them about their faith. You know, you don't have to push your faith on, in, on, on your children. Just live out your faith day by day. Talk to them. Show them. Lead them. Guide them. You know, you ain't got to push it on them. Oh, you going to serve the Lord. No, you ain't got to do that. You ain't got to do that. Just share the truth, live out the truth, and allow God to enter that space. Again, I didn't ask Marie, I didn't ask Allison, I didn't ask them, what's your belief system? You know, do you believe in the Son of God? You know, what are your thoughts on the Ten Commandments? You know, we sitting there watching TV, and here comes the Holy Spirit. Hey, I'm scared I might not be in the kingdom. Well... Let's talk about it. Here's my other daughter. You know, what was going on at church today? We should talk about that on the show. Prompts a question. It's, it's really that simple, y'all. It, again, salvation is not rocket science. It, it's, not, it's not rocket science. It is, a, it is a miracle of the Holy Spirit that... You know, just glad that to be a witness of it. In a week, in in a in less than a week, we gained two souls to the kingdom. And that's definitely something worth pray worth giving some praise for, because we ain't do nothing. It's all God, all God stoking the fire. It's at such a time that salvation was birthed, and so to God be the glory for what He has done in that regard. You guys are watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, scroll through these comments real quick. I see, I think we only got one real, one real um, legitimate question in here today by my girl, Kay Marie. I hope you're still on with us, girl. Um, she said, I kept getting so frustrated in church yesterday because they kept mentioning Christmas as the day of Christ. The day Christ was born. Um, the, as the day Christ was born, can you explain that to me? Um, so, um, obviously December 25th is not the day that Christ was born. Um, according to some texts, um, um, he was born somewhere more toward October, um, but no one really knows the exact day that he was born. Um, and so it is the day that we in America and maybe other countries too designate as the day that we, that, that we commemorate his birth, but it's absolutely not the exact day that he was born. Um, Christmas Day itself 
Um, and, you know, shoot. Since we're here and I got time, I can look it up. Christmas Day Origins. Here we go. Here's some some history. This is from Britannica.com. Um, they're the people who created encyclopedias that no one knows what those are anymore because we got Google now. Um, but they're the ones who, you know, are I trust them when it comes to history. So here we go. The early Christian community distinguished between the identification of the date of Jesus' birth and the liturgical celebration of that event. The actual observance of the day of Jesus' birth was long in coming. In particular, the, during the first two centuries of Christianity, there was strong opposition to recognizing birthdays of martyrs, and for that matter, Jesus. Numerous church fathers offered sarcastic comments about the pagan custom of celebrating birthdays when, in fact, for saints and martyrs should be honored on the days of their martyrdom, their true birthdays from the church's perspective. The precise origin of assigning December 25th as the day, as the birthday of Jesus is unclear. The New Testament provides no clues. December 25th was identified as the day of Jesus' birth by Sextus Julius Africanus in 221, on the year 221, and later became the universally accepted date. One widespread explanation of the origin of this date is that December 25th was the Christianizing of the Dies Solis Invictus Nati the day of the birth of the unconquered sun, a popular holiday in the Roman Empire that celebrated the winter solstice as a symbol of the resurgence of the sun, the casting away of winter, and the heralding of the rebirth of spring and summer. Indeed, after December 25th had become widely accepted as the date of Jesus' birth, Christian writers frequently made the connection between the rebirth of the sun and the birth of the sun. So, the rebirth of the sun, S-U-N, and the birth of the sun, S-O-N. One of the difficulties with this view is that it suggests a nonchalant willingness on the part of the Christian church to appropriate, listen to this, appropriate a pagan festival when the early church was so intent on distinguishing itself categorically from pagan beliefs and practices. So, once again, as usual, we as Christians will take a pagan holiday and Christianize the mess out of it. And then have the audacity to get mad with people when they celebrate Christmas in other ways as if that's the way that Christmas was brought up in the first place. We didn't invent Christmas. Somebody else did. We looked at them and said, ooh, how can we wrap this up in Christianese so that way we can make it ours. So, Christmas is not the day that Jesus was born. It is the day that we commemorate his birth, but it is not the day that he was born. So, what choose you choose to do with that what you will. But again, it ain't the day that he was born. 
we, like like most other holidays, took a holiday that was somebody else's, wrapped it up in some Christianese, then catch an attitude when people don't celebrate it the way we celebrate it. When dude, we weren't celebrating it the way it was meant to be celebrated in the first place. They were celebrating the the, the um, winter finally leaving and spring in in, in, in the in the beginning of the sun, you know, coming back as you win. And we said, ooh, that remind and, and, and oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, okay, okay. Let me stop being sarcastic. Let me stop being sarcastic. <clears throat> because we okay. I see what you're doing, God. I see what you're doing. I want to repent immediately because I was acting really sarcastic, and I see what you just did. You just kind of blew my mind. Um, here we go. Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 18, says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. And so, when they saw that they were celebrating the, the resurgence of the sun in terms of like going from winter and starting, when winter, you know, um, in the, the shortest day of the year, and now the days are starting to get longer, that the, the Christians saw that and saw a metaphor of Jesus. Now, in seeing the metaphor of Jesus, they still Christianized the holiday. They still Christianized the holiday. Nevertheless, um, they saw what the people were doing in the Roman Empire and saw the Jesus in it. So again, we say that to say Christmas is not the official day of Christ's birth. They saw a, um, a, a holiday being celebrated and commemorated, and as a result said, it reminds me of Christ. And it's because it reminded them of Christ, they decided at that point to wrap, the, to wrap Christmas around that. And so again, Christmas is not a Christian holiday. We commemorate Christ's birth on that day, but it's not the day that Christ was indeed born. We don't know when he was born. There's no, you know, there's no calendar date that's set that says that this is the day that he was born on. No one kept a record of that. But we do know that he was born. We do know that he lived. We do know that he died. We do know that he rose again. And we know that he has ascended. We know that he's coming back. So don't get hung up in the details of the holiday itself. Because, yeah, he wasn't born on December 25th. Without question, he was not born on that day. But, he was born. And we just, and we have been commemorating his birth on December 25th ever since. Well, ever since 221. And so again, at the end of the day, be careful that you're not making the holiday more important than the God of the holiday. Because the truth of the matter is, we should celebrate Jesus' birth, death, birth, life, death, burial, resurrection, um, ascension, and future return every day. So we thank God for him being birthed, thank God for him living, thank God for him dying, thank God for him rising again, and coming back to get us one day. Um, so don't get hung up in the details. 
It's it's frustrating because it's not literal. Like he wasn't born on December twenty fifth, but we commemorate it because it's pretty dang important that he that he was born. It's not about when, so much as it is the fact that he was, and because he was, we can live both now and forever. Listen, I want to thank you guys so so much from the bottom of my heart for allowing me this opportunity to be able to be on the show with y'all today, be able to spit some truth and some nuggets of wisdom with y'all on today. Thank you for the 1,400 likes that we received. Again, I am so, so sorry for the technical difficulties we've experienced all day. Hopefully, we can do better tomorrow. But thank you all so much for everything that you've done on today. Thank you guys for watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. I'll see you all back here tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. As always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.